Hey everyone, welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. My name is Yasmin Duala and I'm joined by my co-host, the very talented Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to be on together again. I yeah, feel like it's been, been a minute it's for been a while. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, we thought this would be a good opportunity to do a bit of a recap episode because um, quite a bit has happened. <laughs> uh, I always say like every year, Towards the end of the year, uh, around New Year time, New Year's time, the NBA gets really interesting. I feel like it starts to get mm-hmm. on a roll um, after um, a bit of a slow start. I feel like um, it, it, things start to happen. Um, te- I feel like the the scheduling kind of begins to level out. So teams that had hot starts kind of come back down to reality. Teams that started off slow sometimes get on a roll. Um, a team that I've noticed this of is actually the team that the Raptors played the other night, um, Sunday night. Uh, they played the um, Washington Wizards. Another team that I've noticed that with is the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Two teams that have kind of gotten off to hot starts who have um, kind of just had issues with um, the last, I'd say, 15 games. They've had like a um, issues finding their rhythm. And, you know, personally, I think that for some of these teams, it's an issue of um, scouting. You know, I think that when the season begins, teams aren't really sure what to expect or how to guard these teams as they are, how they are uh, at, like with their current composition. Um, and then as they begin to adjust, we start to see it uh, shake out over the course of several games. And we start to see um, the word travel through scouting circles throughout the NBA. And you kind of see in real time how teams are adjusting to guarding these players and these teams. Um, what do you think um, is the um, reasoning behind these, um, you know, these hot starts that kind of fizzle out around New Year time? Yeah, you know, I actually thought this season was going to be kind of a great equalizer, but I thought it was more going to be an equalizer for teams that we saw like do so well last season that were kind of anomalies, right? Like the Suns, um, like the Hawks. Um, and just this almost return to like, maybe like behemoth team normalcy, but that hasn't really happened because aside from like, I guess the Warriors who are interesting because to me, like they aren't, they aren't really like a super team right now. They're playing like one, but like all their personnel are are back. You know, you've got the Hawks now right in the middle of the pack, right? Like they're, I think they're 12 for 12. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a slow start, yeah. Yeah, they had a super slow start. I mean, the Lakers, <laughs> Lakers are also 12 for 12. Nuggets are 11-11. Mavericks are 11-11. Clippers are 12 for 12. Like, it's very interesting to me. And in the East, you've got a lot of the same duality, right? Um, it, it, it has become, the season has become that great leveling off, but in a much different way than I anticipated um, with this, like, kind of rebalancing. I think what you said about scouting is really apt. Um, I also think there's probably just a return to some degree, uh, a return to normal habits and routines that were absent from last season, you know, right. um, for players in either their personal lives or even just like their training regimes. Um, it, I thought it was interesting last night that Pascal Siakam said post game, the team is practicing more than he's ever practiced in his time in the NBA, which granted like Kyle Lowry, like really hated practice and the Raptors yeah. didn't practice a lot when Lavery was on the team. Yeah. You could also say they didn't necessarily need to, 
But a lot of teams, I think, are facing that kind of situation where, that the Raptors have not that they're all have young first or second year players, but they a lot of teams have brand new looking rosters for them apart or like majority new rosters. So this is going to take, I think like it's going to take a lot of time uh, of adjustment, you know, like chemistry isn't always as quick as we say it or like want it to be. Right. And I think yeah. teams that had slow starts, like the pay, like I think of like the Pacers, um, I think of like, what else do I think? <laughs> um, the Spurs, uh, probably the Blazers. I think these teams are going to, and the Raptors actually, I'd include in that, are now going to be on the other side of this coin. So teams who had hot starts are going to level out. And I think teams that had slow starts took some time to figure it out for the first couple months of the season. They're going to be the ones climbing now because they've kind of invested in this longevity uh, that the hot start teams maybe didn't necessarily. Yeah, it's been really interesting over the course of the last few games, seeing the Raptors kind of um, struggle with the issue of chemistry because um, it's it's like the glue that holds together everything, the plays and the the play on both sides of the court. And when it's not in tuned and when it's not working and it's not firing on all cylinders, um, everything just looks very disjointed and players who are typically very talented kind of lose what makes them special. So seeing them the last few games um, just have a crisper um, sense of where everyone is on the court. Like it's, is that spatial awareness. Like it takes uh, several games to kind of get a grasp on that. Even reintegrating OG uh, when he returns to the team, OG Ananobi, um, they're going to have to, again, probably go through a tiny bit of a rough patch reintegrating him. Uh, I, you know, I, OG's game might not um, affect that as, you know, as strongly. He's a, he's typically is a play finisher. He'll, he'll um, take his catch and shoot threes and he'll have the occasional post-up look. Um, and his, you know, his, his play isn't really um, determined by um, how it, how he creates for others, but um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they get rolling when he comes back. Because when he came back, uh, when, when Pascal Siakam came back, OG basically went out a couple games after that. So I'm interested to see how the Raptors kind of um, uh, continue the, um, the, the singularity and the defensive um, um harmony that they've kind of developed over the course of the last few games. So um, moving on to the next topic is John Wall. So the issue of John Wall, and it's not even an issue because I think it's a, we're seeing kind of a reverse version of what has occurred with the Sixers and Ben Simmons with John Wall and the Houston Rockets, where it's the team that does not want him to play. Whereas in Philly, it's Ben mm-hmm. Simmons who does not want to play for the team and who doesn't feel ready to play for the team. So we're seeing kind of uh, both things play out um, inverted of one another. Of one another. So uh, what is your take on the John Wall situation? And honestly, um, I, I, I kind of hate this notion in the NBA. And um, maybe it's because I'm a Raptors fan and I've seen uh, an older Kyle Lowry play alongside young players and see it. I've seen it have a positive effect on their development. Even with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and whatnot, this idea that older players or quote unquote washed players can't have positive impacts on young rosters is kind of flawed to me because we see these teams where everyone is a kid and um, they they really struggle to develop at a reasonable um, timeframe within a reasonable timeframe. 
Um, it, 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 it seems to, um, when these squads are just too young, it, it, I feel like it, it, it kind of cancels out the um, positivity of having a collection of lottery picks. You know, I, I, I think we mm-hmm. see it with a team like OKC, um, even a team. I, I honestly think that having um, Mark, um, Rubio on the uh, Cavaliers has had a positive impact on their backcourt. So uh, what is your um, take on the situation with John Wall and uh, do you think it's a smart decision for the Rockets? Do you think it's pointless? Do you think that he's being held back from having a positive impact on a player like Jalen Green? Yeah, I think it's extremely dumb. I think it's extremely short-sighted, but I, I wouldn't necessarily put decision-making uh, by the Rockets front office <laughs> like as one of foods. Um, even when Maury was still there, you know what I mean? Like there's right. always been something slightly dysfunctional I think from the top down there, um, I don't like, yeah, you mentioned Kyle Lowry and I think as Raptors, we are certainly biased, but I also think that that's been a try and true model in the NBA for a long time for good reason, right? Like vets with, um, make can be huge different difference makers on teams, especially young teams, uh, especially with like a rookie class, like we're seeing this season. I honestly went back cause I'd forgotten like with all the news about wall, like, Will he play? Is he going to be in? They're working on a deal for him to play. Never mind, he's not going to play. I wanted to go back and think like, why was it in the first place that he wasn't playing this season? And it, like you said it, it's because the team was like, we want to go in a younger direction. To me, that is just like, <laughs> one, it's a wild thing to do from like a team chemistry standpoint. Because as you said, no, he might but I don't think Wall is in a position where he wants to be like, yeah, he might want to be a contender, but that's like a separate argument. I think he's also shown that he can be happy with where he is. He was, he was with the Wizards for a long time when they were not contenders, you know, like I think he would be pretty happy to fit into the Rockets roster and play wow. however they need him to play. And two, if the if part of the decision of sitting him out is because they want to look at a buyout situation or a trade situation as they're now apparently entertaining with the Knicks and Kemba, uh, wouldn't you want him <laughs> to play a little bit, right? Because another thing that's plagued Wall is this talk of like injuries, right? And yeah, he has had a lot of injuries. I saw an article and it was like, Wall hasn't played an NBA game since April, 2021. And in my brain, my NBA brain, I'm like, oh my God. But in my real brain, I'm like, it's not really that long ago. <laughs> like, you know, and for right. someone like Wall, who's been in the league as long as he has, he can also make up for that time pretty quickly. Um, wonder, like I wouldn't and at the stage he's at in his career conditioning isn't going to be a, a huge of a question because he's not going to get the same minutes so to me on both of those fronts I think the Rockets uh, front office is making a pretty big mistake right. and also it's just like when you have someone there like when you have someone there like Wall the caliber of player of John Wall why aren't you using him like why aren't yeah, you because just he's, having him he's John Wall like you can't tell me that he's not going to find a way to be effective Yes. You know what I mean? And with his the rest of his career in jeopardy, you can't tell me that he's not willing to take a lesser role or to take a back seat or to find a way to be a, a supportive piece rather than the star of the team. Like, it, it, it's, it's, just, it's very strange. We're not talking about just any other, you know, second string point guard. We're talking about John Wall. Yeah. And like, it's not like he putting him in is instantly going to turn the team around. And they're yeah. going to be like, They'll still they're lose, not even going to go 500 for a long time. <laughs> but it's like, you want to look at it longer implications a player like wall and like the impact that he can have on this young roster right because they're 
you know, I, I think ostensibly you'd want them to take the skills uh, and things that they could learn from someone like him on into their careers, like to to give their careers a little bit more longevity, right? Like it's not necessarily mm-hmm. just about what he can do like right now and the immediacy of it, because I don't actually think like John Wall's not enough. Even John Wall is not enough to turn the Rockets around. Yeah. You know, I don't actually know which one player would be. I don't actually think one player could be. But like right now, I think it's like when you, you're also setting a bad tone for a lot of these young guys that show like, this is what the value is of like a veteran in the league. You know what I mean? Like when ostensibly also like these are guys that want to stay in the, the league as long as they possibly can too. So that's like a broader <clears throat> problem. Again, I think that has more to do with how front office decide to manage their rosters but uh i think it's i think it's a big mistake i also just feel sorry for the dude yeah is it i i just don't understand where this notion that going young means literally cutting off <laughs> every single player over the age of like 28 on the team like it's just it's very strange i, ha- I just can't recall a time it's been effective no, it, it like it typically isn't. Like the Cavs right now, I think it is effective because you've got Kevin Love, you've got Rubio. Yeah. Um, like even yeah, like the Grizzlies, you've also like the Grizzlies, that's a super young team, but you have some like vets there, whether like now they've just switched, like if JV's come, like Stephen Allen's come in for JV. But also I think of like um even some of their rookies are technically a little older than what normal rookies would be, yeah. right? But like there, there's ways to balance it out. I mean, you could go the entire other way, like the Lakers, and obviously that's not working either. So I think <laughs> the, Literally the, the nicest exact opposite. sweet spot <laughs> is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to have a, a there's like a, a formula to it. I feel like you have to have the perfect mix um, to be uh, like a high caliber championship level team. You saw it with, you know, um, the Bucks. You see it with, um, the Heat, who went really far mm. at that one point, like they just had the perfect blend of players in their prime, veteran players who are on the other side of the hill and players who are young with fresh legs and with all the energy they need. But, um, you know, speaking of um, veteran point guards, uh, the whole Kemba Walker situation. Um, so for those who don't know, the Knicks have um, removed Kemba Walker from their rotation and uh it, First of all, wasn't it was it strange to you that Thibs just kind of announced it? Like, no yeah. one asked. I don't think anyone asked. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of a, of a of a coach announcing. The I mean, I'm sure of a player like a from the rotation. maybe asked, but like, did someone yeah. spe- specifically ask if he's being removed from the rotation, or did they just kind of ask about his play in general? They probably. I didn't actually see the question. Okay, I didn't see that. The clip. I just saw the answer. answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was just kind of strange. He um, Thibs said that he was removing Kemba from the rotation. Um, Kemba, he's definitely lost a step a bit. Um, but in my opinion, like I, I was saying the same thing when I heard of the acquisition of Kemba to the Knicks. I, I said that he was a catch and shoot guy. He's lost a step. He can't penetrate and get to the rim like he used to. Um, he does have injury problems now. He doesn't have, have an injury. He does have an injury proneness but if you're just expecting Kemba to produce kind of like a Patty Mills right now that's fine but I think that the Knicks were kind of expecting like a that kind of Kyrie caliber um point guard from him um him but if they were watching him for the last year prior to that um, they would have known that 
he's not exactly the same kind of guy, but they have removed him from the rotation and they're still losing. It hasn't solved the issue of their defensive um, play. Um, the issue seems to be for the Knicks that their best offensive players are a bit of a defensive liability. Um, so they do have that bit of a predicament. Um, fans are kind of worried because the team is a little too good to tank and a little too, um, they have this issue where their hopes are kind of hanging on RJ and RJ seems to kind of be Mm -hmm. the type of player who's going to take a few years to become the guy or the guy that he can be. Um, it, it already looks as though he's going to have a slower ascension compared to other, you know, um, high end, uh, well, top of the lottery guys. But, uh, what's your take on the, um, the chem, the removal of Kemba from the rotation and the situation or the, the, the composition of this Knicks team? I mean, I get, I get Tibbs wanting to try some stuff, but like you said, I don't think there was really a need for him to announce it as something, you know, definitive. Um, I also don't think Knicks fans like Knicks fans for, you know, how wild I also think, don't think that's like, they need to hear that. You know what I mean? They've, they're like a forgiving fan base by nature because of all the things they've had to live through, right. For the past, however many seasons. Um, I think generally for Kemba, his best, the best position he was to be a contributor. And like you said, to offensive capabilities to not hurt the team defensively came with the Celtics. And I was honestly surprised when they looked at him, the player that they could stand to lose. I mean, not because again, his impact on the team was so much that they got dramatically worse without him, but because Mm -hmm. I think there just wasn't enough time to tell, like the sample size was way too small. Mm. That's to me has been the sense of like Kemba in general for a lot of his career in the past few seasons, which I find a big bummer. Like even now with the Knicks, like I don't know what the expectation was. Like Kemba's not your star player, but like, that's not why you wanted to get Kemba Walker. You know, like you wanted to get him to come in, shoot sometimes. And then you'd kind of work the rest of this lineup around him. But like, I think, and I also think right now what's happening to them is what we were talking about to start the show, which is just an adjustment period. The Knicks were super hot last season. I don't think a lot of that was fake. I think some of that just had to do with the fact of like them getting them gelling really well and like kind of running with it. A team like that is going to reach plateaus, right? And, mm-hmm. and and like have to readjust, especially when you look at who they've added in the offseason. So I think it's a little bit premature. I don't necessarily think they should trade him for John Wall because you're going to be in the exact same, if not a little bit worse situation just by virtue of how wall would fit in with this roster yeah trading Kemba for john wall it seems like it would be a very it would be a, a like a weird um panic move yeah you know what I mean? it would just seem very <laughs> strange like yeah to go for that's not gonna put you over the edge like what is the point you know what i mean you're mm-hmm. just gonna put out a guy who's gonna take up usage from rj like it's it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it would be a strange decision like I don't see how that strategically makes them contenders but um you know I, I'm interested to see the what happens with him I'm interested to see what the Knicks do um and what moves they make uh for the trade deadline like that's going to be interesting to me because their issues are kind of complex um I see what they're trying to do with this team um but they do have decisions to make in terms of who's taking this usage from the players they're trying to develop 
in um, Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett. So um, I'm interested to see what their um, midseason outlook is going to be. But moving on to the last topic, another um, Celtic player or former, well, he's still a <laughs> Celtic. He's not a former Celtic. But um, this whole situation with Enos Freedom, <laughs> or oh, it, formerly the, the artist formerly known as Enos Cantor. <laughs> um, so... I don't even know where to start with this. It's just so strange seeing it play out. I've like shared no opinions about this because I honestly don't know what's going on. I just don't know how to feel about it. It's just, it's all very strange. Um, So you have this situation where uh, he's just turning out to be kind of like a a CIA puppet. He's have, he suddenly has a (laughs) lot of opinions about China you know, which is strange mm-hmm. for like a, a Nike donning NBA player. <laughs> like it's, it's just very odd. Um, he's on, he's been a frequent guest on Fox news lately. He's become kind of a right wing media darling. Um, but it's just, it's very odd. He just the other day, he had some statements to make about um, uh, Jeremy Lin, uh, just very inappropriate statements where um, people have this tendency to demand um very politicized opinions from people of Chinese descent just simply because they are Chinese. They want them to publicly declare how they are not allied with China. Like it's it's very strange or politically allied with China, but um, it's just a strange tendency of um, Americans to do that. But uh, what is your, what is, what do you think is his end goal here? Like, what do you think? (laughs) And is this trying to get from this situation? Well, like poor Jeremy Lin, the guy's born and like, California yeah you know what I mean? like <laughs> he's not but you're right it's like it, it's a really unfair like kind of undue unwarranted um demand to put on players like him you know like and and the fact that it's coming from I keep wanting to call him Cantor freedom we have that's like crazy thing too we have to call him freedom now when we refer to him I'm um, not saying that I'm just gonna call him Cantor not even too. like Aeneas I'm just gonna say Cantor like he really is kind of cherry picking, right? The the like I, even before this, I'd say he he would kind of cherry pick the things that he got incredibly like behind politically, um, and now he's doing that even more. And like obviously that's like the whole mo of Fox News. But when you got this guy, when you got Enos like taking pictures with like Jared Kushner, <laughs> and, oh my like, god, showing up at a like at event like black tie events with like that kind of subsection uh of the right in the United States like the far right it's sort of just like what are you doing man like I honestly also didn't know I thought he just got his citizenship I thought he just got his U.S. citizenship and the freedom thing was like a tongue-in-cheek thing yeah and then I was looking I googled him the other day like I googled Ennis Cantor and Google came back and was like Ennis Freedom like oh that's why he literally changed his last name <laughs> to freedom. Um, I don't like it. It seems like super d- disingenuous. Um, I think like if you're going to come out and like make a lot of statements and granted, like he has come out and made a lot of really strong statements. He has put himself and his family in danger in the past. Um, like I'm not trying to knock all the things he's come out and said as being wrong. But at this point, like, this I can't square this guy with that guy. You know, it seems like an overnight transformation, which is why I feel like the CIA asset rumors aren't like that tinfoily. 
Yeah, the, like you know, tinfoil <laughs> hat. I don't know. Cantor just has this. I don't know. Maybe he likes the sense of maybe belonging that the because mm-hmm. um, Cantor, like if you think about it in the sense of the NBA fraternity, he does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. A lot of players do uh, where they just kind of don't fit the all American mold of um, the typical NBA player, the MB- the typical NBA uh, darling. But um, I don't know if he kind of hangs on to these um, very strong opinions in order to have a bit of community or to create that for himself. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just been very weird. I don't know how, I don't know where it turns or what the end goal is, or if the NBA might uh, step in, in terms of where he is. I, I honestly don't know what the CBA or if it says anything about the type of media think- that players can get involved in or anything like what is I don't think it's ever been tested like this yeah I don't think so and I don't think they could really step in and do anything um one I think just like the precedent that would set yeah and then to the on an optics it's like pure optics level I don't think they want to get themselves more embroiled with like the Fox News set they already had that with like the Maury China stuff uh, before and I think that was as close as they decided like they wanted to skirt to that issue now they want to keep it, I think, very far away from themselves. Um, so it seems like they probably won't say anything and they maybe they'll hope it will just kind of fizzle out as honestly as sometimes like Dennis Cantor does with these things. And I, <laughs> He'll what find you a said new before, thing. just about <laughs> him like <laughs> him like not fitting into the fraternity. I, 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 a part of me wonders if that's not because he's like not American but I think because he's maybe a little bit annoying, do you know what I mean? Like he just, cause there's a lot of like European guys, like there's a lot of guys who are not from the States. I'd say more than ever in the NBA now. Right. right. They still all have friends. Like I just, so maybe I he just like likes attention. Of, maybe he's just yeah. a bit of an attention whore. <laughs> like, yeah. And like people get tired of those people. I, I'm very interested to see what Cantor's new thing will be. <laughs> He always he always surprises us. So is um, he still wearing like Nike shoes though? And he's like making all these because he started painting all his Nike shoes, right? Yeah, I don't know what like, brand his shoes were. I didn't look at that because they had he had these like just hideous graphics <laughs> all over yeah. them. So I yeah. didn't even check the brand. I wasn't even paying attention, but um, I'm actually curious to check them out now. So um, that is actually the last topic for today's episode. Katie, I know you're short on time, but thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we're, uh, I, I've been wanting to do like a bit of a league recap after we got a few games under the, under our belts, but, um, uh, we'll see, we'll catch you guys next week. Um, uh, I will plug the ask, um, dishes email address. So it's askdishesdimes at gmail.com. We do enjoy answering those questions uh, where you guys ask us for advice on virtually anything in life. And we are not liable to the results that our advice may yield, but uh, we we do enjoy doing it. And we love that you guys trust us to do that. So um, we'll catch you guys next week. Hopefully you guys send in a bunch of emails. We might have, I kind of want to do a show where we just answer those, (laughs) but um, until next time, thank you for joining me, Katie, and have a good one, everyone. 